I knew it would be hard mentally, but completely underestimated how hard it would be. It was mentally draining. I was sleeping terribly. Because I was feeling like that from when I woke up to when I went to bed every single day, it did start to make me feel quite low. It really highlighted to me just how important diet and exercise is for maintaining good mental health. Welcome back to the PBN podcast. Joining me as a guest today is vegan fitness instructor from Manchester, Andrew Roberts. You might know him as the fit young man who earlier in 2021 conducted an experiment gaining and then losing 20 kgs or over four stones of weight. Just in his 20s, Andrew is an established fitness professional. With this experiment, he wanted to experience firsthand what he preached and embarked on this journey to better understand the mentality of someone trying to lose weight. He also wanted to demonstrate the health benefits and possible weight loss when following a whole food plant-based diet. For a period of about six months, Andrew consumed a whopping 5,000 calories a day, over two times the amount of calories he would intake before he began the experiment. This resulted in increasing both his weight and his body fat, which rose by 17%, from 10% to 27%, classifying him as medically obese. During that period, he ate primarily what he described as vegan junk food, pizzas, pies, crisps, and ice cream. He described the journey as extremely hard and mentally challenging, from the resulting changes in health, disrupted sleeping habits, and waning motivation. After he reached his peak weight, Andrew then switched to one of his own weight loss plans and a plant-based diet. He began seeing instant results and was soon on his way to getting back to his previous top form. Today, we're checking in to see what Andrew's progress has been lately and we'll dig deeper into what he's learned from this experiment and what insight he has to share about weight loss. I'm Robbie Lockie and this is the PBN Podcast. As always, don't forget to comment, like and share. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It really helps get the message out there. Let's get to the episode. Thanks so much for joining us on the PBN Podcast, Andrew. What a pleasure to sit down and chat to you. Thank you very much. No, it's it's really cool to be on here and a little bit surreal as well because when I first went vegan, which was four and a half years ago now, I used to watch videos of, it was your business partner, Klaus, interviewing all the plant-based doctors on YouTube. And that's where I used to get all my information from as a new vegan. So to be on here today, talking to you is really, really cool. Oh, well, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. And that's that's what gets Klaus and I out of bed every morning, right, is just helping people understand the power of the plant-based diet, you know, for all the multitudes of reasons, which we'll talk about in a sec. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Roberts here with Plant-Based News. And today, I want to share with you my experience of how I purposely gained 55 pounds of pure fat in the space of just six months, and then how I lost it all again in the following six months. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, what kind of crazy person would want to put on all that weight on purpose? Am I right? Well, there was two main reasons I did it. The first was that I wanted to get a better understanding of some of the feelings and emotions my clients experience when they're overweight and going through the weight loss process. Good examples of this include what it's like to develop bad eating habits and what it's like to experience cravings. The second reason I did it was because I'm a huge believer in the power of a whole food plant-based diet for healthy and sustainable fat loss. I knew that by doing this crazy experiment, I could show just how effective the diet can be for fat loss and hopefully inspire some people to give it a go. Tell us about this incredible experiment that you conducted. You gained 25 kgs of fat in six months on purpose and then lost it all again in six months. Tell us a little bit about this experiment and uh, what inspired you to do it. Yeah, of course. So the idea came around because I wanted to try and get a, a better understanding of some of the feelings and emotions that my clients were going through themselves when they were losing weight. 
So an example of this is when my clients would change from their normal unhealthy diet to a much healthier one, they would speak to me about feelings. An example of this is food cravings. And because I'd never been overweight myself, and purely just down to luck as well, I had never experienced food cravings properly. And there was a few other examples like this that I couldn't feel like I actually related to my clients. So it got to the point where I thought, if I'm ever going to be able to connect to them on a deeper level and be able to understand truly what they are telling me, then I need to become overweight and then go through the whole weight loss process. The second reason I wanted to do it was because I'm a huge believer in the power of a whole food plant-based diet for healthy and sustainable weight loss. And I knew that by doing this, I could really showcase how effective the diet can be for weight loss. And hopefully people would see that, they'd be inspired by it, give the diet a go, and then hopefully fall in love with it just like I did. When I got back down to my starting weight, the physical changes were great. But what really mattered to me was the fact I felt 100 times better mentally. I was sleeping well again. I was re-energized. I had a much more positive outlook on life. What this journey highlighted to me is the importance of diet and exercise on maintaining good mental health. These are natural changes that we can make and they can make a huge positive change in your life. You don't have to go to the gym five times a week and work out. Even just going outside and going for a walk and being active that way can make a huge difference in your health and in your mind. The exact same applies for food. You don't have to eat healthy vegan food for every single meal. I certainly didn't. But just one healthy meal is better than no healthy meals. Another thing this journey really highlighted to me is the fact that just because you are vegan, it does not mean you are healthy. There's so many delicious vegan alternatives out there today, which is amazing for giving us options and helping people transition into a vegan diet. However, if we eat these highly processed foods like pizzas, pies, chips, burgers, on a daily basis, it is not healthy and can easily lead to weight gain just like it did for me. The final thing this journey has done for me is made me even more empathetic as a coach. It's very easy for people to think you just need to exercise more, eat less and you'll lose weight. But there's so much more to it than that. There's a massive mental aspect to weight loss which is by far the hardest part. Going through this process has allowed me to gain a better understanding of that and connect to my clients on a deeper level. Before we talk about all your achievements and the cool things that you've been doing in the recent years, tell us your plant-based or vegan story. How did you discover this lifestyle, eating in this way? Where did it all begin for you? Growing up, you would never have expected me to be a vegan. And I only found this out recently. It's a bit embarrassing actually, but apparently as a kid, I used to get angry at my mum for putting vegetarian mints in our chilies and stuff. So growing up, never have expected me to be a vegan. And then two years before I actually did turn vegan, my brother became a vegan. And I was that guy who didn't really take much notice of him, was that one who was saying, where do you get your protein from? You only eat salads, all the normal BS, basically. And then it wasn't until one of my really good friends turned vegan that I had to think to myself, my brother's gone vegan, he's a clever guy, and he knows what he's doing. Now one of my friends who's really like me and I wouldn't have expected to go vegan, has turned vegan. So I had to think to myself, and I went back that night and started doing research myself into it. 
And then it was about two days later where I started watching What the Health, the documentary on Netflix. And about halfway through, I paused it and I was watching it with my brother. And I just said to him, I'm going vegan. I was completely unprepared going into the journey. I remember my first, first meal as a vegan. It was this black spaghetti kind of pasta with lentils and soy chunks and basically no spice either. So completely unappetizing. And I remember eating it thinking, what on earth have I done here? But fast forward four and a half years and I look back thinking it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Andrew, one of the sort of challenges that we face as vegans is this idea that, you know, men need meat and consuming animal products is just something that men do. Being a young man, Mm -hmm. growing up in the UK, you grew up in the UK, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Growing up in the UK where meat consumption is just a given, it's part of our culture here. People have been consuming and eating animal products for generations and, and changing that culture is quite a difficult thing. In your peer group and sort of the, you know, your young, particularly young male friends, what was it like when you started talking about being meat free? Were people supportive? Did people make fun of you? You know, how was it with friends and family? Yeah, well, my family were very supportive. Like you said, being a young male, my friends weren't as supportive. Obviously, I had the one who helped me go vegan, but the rest of them were, I wouldn't say that open to the idea. I think it does offend people sometimes when you say you are vegan and they think that you're going to be really annoying from now on and cause lots of problems and be difficult to cater for when you're out or around their house. But I don't think that's true in any stretch of the imagination, especially not now with all the huge amount of options out there these days. In terms of does eating meat make you a man, I I don't think that's true at all. Growing up, it has been marketed to us through adverts, on online. I think there's always um, some big, strong man with a, a burger and a bit of meat in the middle. And I think because we've grown up with all that being marketed to us, it can be easy to think that, oh yeah, meat and being a man go hand in hand, but that's not true at all. And I think there was a a study that I saw in um, the British Journal of Cancer, and it concluded that vegans actually have 13% higher testosterone than non-vegans do. And I think right there, that kind of dispels the myth, because if vegans have more of the male sex hormones than non-vegans, I believe that just dispels a myth. I, I don't think you have to eat meat to be a man. I think it's far from the truth. And personally, in my opinion, there's nothing more manly than standing up to those people, standing up for what you believe in and actually having compassion for animals. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I've had many guests on this podcast, which I asked that question to. And, you know, there's always so many similarities that people feel that, you know, being particularly the men I speak to, when they grow up, you know, we're kind of given this lifestyle, this way of eating. Um, we talk about carnism many times about how the belief system of carnism, which is the counterculture to veganism, veganism, a counterculture to carnism, we are taught as children that we must eat meat, that it's it's absolutely necessary for our survival and our, for health, for our health. And of course, for men, you know, maybe a hangover from our <laughs> primordial days where we were hunter gatherers, there was this idea that men hunt and women look after the children, and and that sort of sort of you, you could say in many ways a sort of sexist narrative has pervaded throughout history, and it's created this idea that men have to be the ones that kill things, that men are the ones who 
have to go out and gather the food. But as we always joke, you know, going to the supermarket and picking up a sanitized piece of steak or chicken, that's not hunting, is it really? You don't no. really go running through the aisles of your local Tesco's chasing chickens <laughs> or exactly. any other mammal that you might want to <laughs> shred, right? And also, you know, the way we're, uh, the way we're built, uh, the way we've evolved anatomically, you know, our jaws, the way they move, um, they're more like herbiv herbivorous creatures. Our teeth are tiny, you know, people talk about, oh, I've got um, incisors like a carnivore i mean i don't know if you've seen most humans but their incisors are ridiculously tiny you know you couldn't shred a, an animal skin without it being cooked you know we as a species have evolved to eat meat because out of necessity right our, our ancestors had to consume animal products to survive and then on with the onset of agriculture and the, you know domestication of of plants of many different sort of wild plants we began to to be able to harvest and eat many kind of grains that can sustain us as human beings, which I'm obviously a huge favor of. Because obviously, as a lot of people don't know, most of the grains that go into farming now go to feed animals so people can eat meat. So not only does meat bad for our, our health, as we know from many studies, but it's also incredibly bad for the environment because it requires so much resources, whether it's water, CO2, methane, nitrous oxide, and of course, also all the grain that is produced. But going back a bit to your past and you know learning a bit more about you, have you always been interested in fitness and nutrition and wellness because obviously changing your diet and changing what we eat is a part of our wellness journey you know when we get up every day and we have our breakfast lunch and dinner we're making choices aren't we for our our health or our ill health um, because obviously all those choices lead us in one way or the other and we also we often at pbn talk about how you know, diseases stay in families because diets stay in families. You know, I think Dr. Esselstyn, Caldwell Esselstyn, talks about that a lot. He says, you know, genetics loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. It's what we eat and how we see food is what actually determines most of our chronic disease. But when it comes to nutrition and wellness and fitness and, you know, personal training like when did you start getting interested in this in this way of living yeah so from when i was a really young kid i just loved playing sport i used to play football all the time and my mum bless her used to just drive me absolutely everywhere to do it so growing up that was always a, a massive part of my life and then as soon as i got old enough i got into the gym and got into lifting weights so for me fitness has always been a big part of my life but it wasn't until I turned vegan that I actually became really interested in the nutrition side of things and the health side of things. I became really passionate about that, but at the time I was actually working in accounts. So I did that for another couple of years and, and quickly realized that that wasn't for me. And I took a step back and thought about what I really want to do and what I'm passionate about. And I had the fitness, which I'd always loved. I'd recently become interested in the nutrition side of things, especially the plant-based nutrition. And then I also really like helping people as well. So for me, it made perfect sense to change industry and come into the fitness and health space because you can really make a, a good difference in people's lives. Amazing. I mean, it's such an incredible journey to be able to sort of, you know, use something like veganism as a catalyst for a new career or something that you can feel passionate about. I always say to people that my source of joy and happiness in my life currently is that sense of purpose that I'm working on something and creating something that I really feel passionate about. I don't just turn up every day and do this job and, and create this content because I'm being robotic about it. I genuinely believe in what we're doing and I feel a sense of responsibility and, and a real sense of purpose in everything that I do. And it's such a rewarding feeling, right? When you, you're doing something that you feel 
and you know is helping people, not just humans, of course, but the planet as well, by getting people to, as you know, as we were preaching to the choir here, as getting people to switch to a plant-based diet, we're reducing the carbon footprint, we are, you know, saving animals, we're reducing people's, um, you know, incidence of chronic illness. So it's not just a case of, oh, I'm getting people to eat more plants. It has such far-reaching consequences that I think that most people just do not understand just how important it is. I think people think to themselves, oh, it's just a piece of steak or it's just an egg or it's just some cheese. But every single thing that we put on our plate has huge environmental consequences. And of course, what we put in our mouth as well has huge, you know, health consequences, to, as I said, to improve our health or to create ill health for us. So, you know, it's such a noble cause to be able to be involved in something like that. So, you know, long may you may you stay in this work and, and many, many vegans, I hope you do make, I sound a bit like Yoda there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mentioned a good point there, actually. And, and one thing I really love about my job is not all my clients come to me as a vegan. So quite a few of them come to me eating meat and dairy still, but open to the idea of trying a vegan diet. And that's when one thing I absolutely love because then I'm making not only a change to their life, but also to the animals and the environment. And what often happens is they fall in love with the diet, they fall in love with the food. And then after we stop working together, they continue on as a vegan, or if not at least drastically, drastically cut down their consumption of meat and dairy, which obviously makes a, a massive difference. So it's day two of my weight loss process and I've just had a pasta dish. Now when I was gaining weight, I would have a very similar meal, but it would be double the size and I'd also have a large garlic baguette with it. So right now I'm feeling pretty hungry and also I'm craving that garlic baguette. There's nothing more that I'd like to do right now than eat one of them. So I've just got to try and distract myself from it. And the only saving grace is I've not got any of that junk food in the flap because if it was here, I'd more than likely be eating it right now. To lose the weight, there are a few key aspects that I focused on. The first was eating a whole food plant-based diet, which is amazing for weight loss. This is because the majority of plant-based whole food is very filling, but also very low in calories. There are a few exceptions to this with food like nuts, avocados, and seeds. However, the majority of plant-based whole food fits that criteria. This is exactly what you want when you're trying to lose weight, because you want to be able to eat big, delicious portions of food that fill you up, and yet still remain in a calorie deficit. Examples of the food I was eating when I was losing weight is food like lentils, beans, rice, pasta, potatoes, and of course, a good protein source with each meal. Today, obviously, we're here to talk about an experiment that you conducted on your own body, which was quite something. Um, I remember when I first saw you talking about it on social media, I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting to see where it goes. It reminded me a little bit of the documentary Super Size Me, um, where he, as an experiment, ate all the McDonald's he could to see what effect it would have on his body. And obviously, a lot of people were very concerned about his health and whether that was actually something that could be potentially dangerous. But before we talk about the dangers of eating a lot of food that might not necessarily be that good for you, let's just talk a bit about the experiment. So where did you get the idea and how did you get started? The idea came for two main reasons. The first was that I wanted to try and get a better understanding of some of the feelings and emotions that my clients were going through. And an example of this is food cravings. Now, because I'd never been overweight and also just down to pure luck, really, 
I had never experienced those kind of cravings and that feeling. And often when I was talking to clients and they had changed their diet and gone on to a new healthy way of living, they would frequently tell me how they're getting these food cravings and it was really affecting them. And it was a few other emotions like that my, that my clients would experience that I couldn't properly relate to because I'd never been through them myself. So I just thought to myself one time that if you're ever going to get a, a true understanding of what it's like to go through this process and experience these emotions, then you need to become overweight and then you need to go through the weight loss process. So that was the first reason. The second one that was a, a really added bonus was I'm a huge believer in the power of a whole food plant-based diet for healthy and sustainable fat loss. And I knew that by doing this, I could really demonstrate how effective the diet can be. And then hopefully people would see it. They would think, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. If he can do that, I can do that as well. So I was hoping that they'd then be inspired by it, give it a go, and then hopefully fall in love with the diet just like I did. Amazing. Well, you certainly achieved something fantastic. So, but once you got to the top of the hill, so once you reached your highest weight, what was your process to switch your food habits? Uh, was it just willpower? Um, and actually, did you find it difficult to stick to your healthy diet on the way back down on the other side? As, as I approached the halfway point when I was at my heaviest, part of me was excited because I really wanted to try and start feeling better within myself. But part of me was also thinking, how the hell am I actually going to do this? Because after eating that kind of food for six months, I have no doubt in my mind that I had strong, uh, built a strong connection with that food and I was actually addicted to it. You know, these food companies, they make the food so it's highly palatable, high in salt, high in fat, high in sugar. So you do, you're, you do start to become a little bit dependent on it. So the first few weeks of losing weight was very, very intense. I mentioned food cravings just a minute ago, and I was getting really intense food cravings. But the important thing I would like to, to tell people is if you are going through that process, the food cravings are normal. Even though your body's telling you it's not the right thing to do, I can assure you it is the right thing to do. There is just an initial period that is hard to get through. It's highly likely you will have slip-ups. I had slip-ups where I ate some chocolate, I ate a burger and chips, and that's completely normal. Um, the important message there is to, to not give up. Don't feel like a failure if you do give in and eat a bit of unhealthy food because it's all part of the process. And if you've got to that point, you've already made a really hard step, which is actually getting started on the journey. So I'll just encourage everyone to, to keep going because as soon as you do get through that initial period, and you get into a routine of things, it does become much, much easier. When you obviously made that point of uh, that point of turning at the beginning, uh, sorry, the end of your kind of downward spiral to lose weight again, what was your exercise routine like? Is it different to how you were at the beginning? Or did you have to exercise more rigorously? What was the sort of process or the mindset that you had to adopt to be able to keep up with exercise? Because obviously putting on quite a considerable amount of weight does require you to burn energy, right? Because obviously fat is stored energy from the food that we consume excess energy. And the only way to get, well, most of the way, the, the most effective way to get it off is obviously great food and good uh, good nutrition, but exercise is essential. So how did you build um, a plan to lose that weight through exercise? Initially, I didn't actually work out for the first eight weeks of losing weight. And the reason I did that was because I was already 
struggling with the food. I knew that it would be a big struggle to actually change my diet simply because I'd been eating so much rubbish for a really long period of time. So I thought it'd be a much cleverer step to, first of all, focus on my diet for the first eight weeks, make sure I really nail that down and get that sorted and then begin exercising again. And just in that first eight weeks, still got amazing results. And I think this is a really good demonstration of what a plant-based diet can do. I lost 10 kilograms in, in eight weeks, purely just through eating healthy food. And then when I did start working out again, again, I didn't want to take on too much to begin with. So I started off just going to the gym twice a week and lifting weights and then gradually built that up as I carried on my weight loss journey to four times near the end. And, you know, it's important to, to try and not take on too much because it can be a little bit overwhelming. And that's why I wanted to split up the diet and the exercise aspect and not just do everything at once. So that first period, the eight weeks you said, were you eating a calorie deficit? So for those that don't know, obviously our body burns a certain amount of energy at rest, our basal metabolic rate, um, without doing anything, just going about our normal day, a certain number of calories. And if you eat a calorie deficit, which is an, which is a certain number of calories under that basal metabolic rate, you will naturally lose weight. I myself ex have experienced and suffer with a bit of extra weight, especially from all the lockdowns and sort of sitting around working too much. You know, do I need to use, work up my basal metabolic rate? Firstly, how do I do that? And then obviously, if I want to lose weight just through nutrition, do I just need to be eating a lot less, essentially? In terms of how you do it, there's lots of calculators online and they're called TDEE calculators, which stands for Total Daily Energy Expenditure. And if you just type that in on the internet, loads of calculators will come up. One I recommend is if you type in Omni Calculator Harris-Benedict Equation, and then all you have to do is type in, it's your age, your gender, your current weight, and your height as well. And then that works out what your BMR is. So that gives you a really good basis to get started. What you can also do, it gives you an option to enter your activity level, so what that does then is it times your BMR by how active you are. And it's like one to two, and there's loads of different options in between. And then that works out how many calories roughly that you would burn per day. Now, it's worth saying that these aren't 100% accurate. So you do need to do a little bit of trial and error to see what is your actual maintenance calories. But from there, yeah, you need to then ensure that you are in a calorie deficit and you can achieve that through eating food or increasing your energy output. So like I said, first of all, I just focused on my diet and did that through food. And then I also introduced exercise, which contributed to that calorie deficit. What's your opinions and thoughts and experience on intermittent fasting as a way uh, for supporting weight loss in these kinds of situations? Yeah, I think it, it can be a really good tool. And I think on, on experience, it depends on the individual. Some people do really well. The classic one is not eating breakfast and then eating around maybe 12 or one o'clock. And some people do really well with that. They don't get hungry in the morning. They don't want any food. Other people, my girlfriend, for example, if she doesn't eat breakfast, she can get a little bit hangry. So it really depends on the person, but it can be a really good tool. The one thing I will say is women do need to be careful Obviously, they're built completely differently to men. And I think most of the studies on intermittent fasting have been on men or postmenopausal women. 
So I think there's still a lot of research that needs to be done, but it can definitely be an effective tool. Obviously, uh, neither of us are medical professionals. So this, as a caveat, is not medical advice and we're not recommending that you fast. Uh, yeah. This is purely <laughs> for, um, you know, for educational purposes. And, and, and uh, yeah, if you have any interests in fasting, it's best to talk to your GP or your doctor first before entering in any kind of uh, fasting process. Moving on now, so you also observed during this experiment that by adding all this extra weight, it affected you obviously physically, but also mentally. Talk us through a little bit about what that felt like as you sort of essentially sort of climbed that mountain of excess weight over time. Yeah, yeah. So this is something that I definitely underestimated the impact it would have. I knew it would be hard mentally, but completely underestimated how hard it would be. It got harder and harder as the time went on, but especially in the last two months, it was very, very mentally draining. And the reason for this was I was sleeping terribly, um, just no energy from day to day and no motivation and not really a great mood. And because I was feeling like that from when I woke up to when I went to bed every single day, it did start to make me feel quite low. It was something that it really highlighted to me just how important diet and exercise is for maintaining good mental health. And that was like a massive takeaway for me, uh, for the process. And even though it was, it sucked, (laughs) there's no doubt about it. I am glad I went through that experience because it gave me a whole new motivation to help people who are either in that position or prevent them from getting there in the first place. And I do feel like diet and exercise has a a really big power in um, helping people What are some of the health factors involved in such a drastic weight gain and consequent weight loss? Uh, Did you get any um, medical advice on this? I did, yeah. I mean, when I first thought of the idea, I I did go to see a doctor and ask them about it. And their advice was, don't do it. (laughs) You know, it's very unhealthy for you. So I didn't take their advice. But at the same time, I was, I tried to be as aware of the health implications throughout the whole process. In terms of how it affected my health, we've I mentioned the mental things there. In terms of the physical side, I got out of breath just going for walks in my lunchtime. I got quite bad stretch marks on my skin. I felt foggy and cloudy all the time and couldn't think straight. In terms of my heart rate, that increased a lot and scared me quite a few times. Just so much things that you, you don't really contemplate before you enter something like that, that creeped up. And as each one happened, I thought, is this time to stop? Why am I doing this? But then I'd always go back to those those reasons I first mentioned, and they would give me that motivation to, to keep on going, keep on pushing myself. I've been getting some really strange pains in my chest area the past few days. So I spoke to my doctor earlier and described my symptoms as pains in the chest and also a weird sensation down the left-hand side of my body in my arm and leg. Um, so he recommended me to go to the hospital and get checked out so I'm just on the way there now hopefully it's nothing serious but uh, better be safe than sorry all in all I was in the hospital for six hours they did an ECG test on me a scan of my lungs and also took my blood as well the conclusion was they couldn't see anything wrong and therefore told me to monitor the situation and if it continued to happen then speak to my doctor again this meant the show could go on but the whole experience really, really scared me and it also reminded me how we should never take our health for granted. At this point, I was this close to quitting. 
but I thought back to the main two reasons why I did this journey in the first place. That made me carry on and push through to the end. The body obviously is, human bodies come in different shapes and sizes. You know, we live in a, in a culture where, you know, I do feel humanity is on a large trying very hard to learn to accept ourselves in our various different ways. There is a conversation that has been raging for years really about body acceptance and body positivity. Social media, particularly things like Instagram, they often emphasize particular body types you know you go on your discover page on instagram and it's all ripped men and women fit and slim and body beautiful and often also a particular ethnicity as well there's a lot of conversations there's a whole nother discussion around this sort of inherent racism as well in algorithms that emphasize particular people often white caucasian types you know of a particular aesthetic because that's what is the sort of pervading majority narrative in that style of of uh, appearance and so when the when there are people who are a bit overweight or morbidly obese our society often shuns these people makes them often feel rejected uh disgusting you know um people feel you know people are told that they're gross that they just need to lose weight you know and there's a sort of i guess a feeling of people are not going to love me if i'm fat People are not going to love me if I'm overweight, you know, and even the words as well, you know, um, there's an amazing uh, comedian and playwright called Taylor, Taylor Mack, who says, fat is not a shape, it's a feeling. So we are obviously, you know, we create these words that can be very demeaning to people. But obviously, there's two sides to the conversation. There's the health side of things, whereas being overweight or carrying a lot of excess weight is going to damage your your life and your body and your your longevity. But then there's the other side where we live in a society where people judge us based on how slim we are. They look at us and they make these assumptions about us as people. As you were climbing that hill, <laughs> mm. adding on that extra weight in a conscious way, did you, because obviously you made this very public, you were talking about it on social media. Did you come across this conversation? Did you get any pushback from people about it around body positivity, fat shaming, these kinds of things? Did you, did you have any experience on that? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely I did. I think um, I got a few advertisements, one on actually your page, and I did get a lot of stick from it. I'm super, super for people being body positive. If they feel happy, then that is 100%. I'm, I'm like really happy for them. And my message isn't really for them. And I don't want to sound offensive to them for doing that journey. I feel like it's only for a certain base of people that are interested in trying to become healthier. One point that you talked about um, that quote you mentioned, it's so true. It's, it's a feeling. And I think a lot of people through experience and talking to people who have become overweight, it's not something that they've, you know, planned to do, or it's just happened normally because of something in their life that's happened. It could have been an experience as a child. It could have been a traumatic event, a bad relationship, a death in the family. Normally there's some sort of trigger that's happened in their lives that has then led to them turning to food and, and using that as a comfort. So I think in terms of people who, who criticize people that are overweight and are rude about them, I think it's completely out of order. And from speaking to quite a lot of people who have been overweight, there's normally always a reason behind it. So I think people do need to think much more carefully about what they say um, about overweight people because it's it's not kind at all and it's not helpful in any way shape or form 
Um, so when I did get these these comments, I I just tried to you know not take them to heart, and I did understand that some people could see what I'm doing as offensive, but at the same time, I was doing it for all the right reasons. So I just tried to not get too caught up in those comments because as much as I did receive some negative ones, for every negative, there would be, you know, 100 positives. So, and people saying that I've inspired them and given them hope and I've triggered them to now trying to start lose weight and make their um, health better. So I tried to just take it on the chin I think you always do get a bit of criticism for anything you do online these days and yeah, didn't take it personally. Yeah, it is a challenging thing. It's a really difficult conversation to be had. You know, nobody wants to be told by their doctor or their friend or their family member or anyone that you need to lose weight because people intrinsically who are overweight, they know that they're overweight. They don't need to be told. And I think a lot of people who are overweight know that it is unhealthy. It's, it's a hard conversation to be had because, you know, it really depends on who you are. If you're a stranger, you don't have a right to tell somebody else that they need to lose weight. You know, we don't, as people, have a right to to define other people's realities. As you said, if a person is happy in themselves, it's up to them to decide whether they want to go on a on a on a health journey to to release them, you know, to remove that weight, that excess weight from their body or not. All we should do as health advocates is provide information to people and 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 treat them with kindness and compassion. You know, using words like fat, for example. You know, fat obviously as a word, it talks about a substance. Fat is a substance, but it's also used as a pejorative. It's a, as a an insult to describe people. And I personally try to always avoid using that word when talking about people because it can be very demeaning. It can make people feel shame because at the end of the day, when people eat, we don't want people to feel shame because in fact, the more shame people feel, the more they want to eat, the more they eat, the the more sort of low they feel. And it's a vicious circle that kind of continues to go round and round and round. I know from myself personally, I have a horrible mental pattern uh, not horrible, but I would say destructive mental pattern is I think to myself, I need to lose weight. I'm a little bit overweight. I'm a bit uncomfortable, you know, with this excess weight. And then I'll go to the supermarket and I'll say, I'll start tomorrow. And this mental narrative goes through my head and says, oh, I'll start tomorrow. And I go grab a chocolate bar. And my brain sort of tells myself this story and I'll say, I'll start tomorrow. So I'll just have one more piece of chocolate or I'll have another snack. Uh, and it's funny how we have these conversations with ourselves in our head all the time convincing ourselves that things are going to be different tomorrow. But I think the main takeaway from what you've said to me today is, is that it's about agreeing and deciding that you want to make a change and that you just have to keep going and that you are going to slip up. There's actually lots of science to suggest that our gut microbiome can control our behavior and that a certain gut microbiome, can, you know, our gut bacteria could actually influence us to want to reach out for the chocolate <laughs> or the sugary foods and that our gut microbiome could be rewarding us with sort of you know, opiate, opioids or dopamine uh, when we eat sugary and sweet foods, um, you know, because our gut is considered as our second brain. It's very, very connected, our brain and our gut, many, many neurons and, you know, all kinds of fun, incredible biological and chemical pathways that link the two. So what goes on in our gut, you know, is is often reflected in our brain and our brain reflects in our gut. But it's such an interesting conversation. It's not, you know, it's one we could talk about for hours. And I, you know, I really hope that if anyone's listening who is struggling with their weight, just understand that you know there are a lot of people out there such as you Andrew who just want to help and that we don't want anyone to feel shame or guilt um, and that you know being leaner as a human is better for our health it's better for our longevity but ultimately the decision to lose weight and to into uh, you know become a leaner person 
physically is your decision and no one should force you no one should make you feel guilty or bad about your body shape or your your weight and yeah and it is a really a journey that isn't easy but uh as as a health advocate it, it is you know it's something that we we would hope everyone would consider at least yeah no i completely agree your your weight does not determine who you are as a person and that's that's such an important message that does need to be put out there a lot, lot more. One of the uh, sort of points along the journey, uh, you had a bit of a serious health scare where you were taken to A&E with a pain in your heart and arm and leg. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Tell us a little bit about what happened and what did you learn from it? The problem actually started, it was five days before I ended up going to hospital. And it was the middle of the night and I woke up randomly and my heart was just pounding out of my chest like I had never experienced before. And I thought it could have just been like a bad dream. So I got up, ended up sitting on the toilet for five minutes, just waiting to see if it would calm down. And it wasn't. And at that point, my mind had started racing and becoming really paranoid as well. And obviously, that doesn't help with your heart rate. So still beating really fast, I ended up getting back into bed and just lying there trying to get to sleep. But I must have been awake for a good hour to two hours. Eventually, I did get back to sleep. And then the next day, I woke up things seem normal but I was sitting at my desk and then I get this this pain across my chest and because of what happened the night before immediately my mind went into overdrive and you know sometimes we get these weird aches and pains but because I had been eating so unhealthily and just had a terrible lifestyle at that time it made everything seem worse and it really amplified the paranoia so then over the next few days I I just wanted to leave and see if it was just one of those things and the pain kept on coming back coming back so after five days I thought I should should probably speak to my doctor about this and, and see if anything's wrong and I told him my symptoms and he said you should go to A&E so I had to go that evening and ended up getting a, an ECG done some blood taken and also a chest x-ray the results the conclusion was they couldn't see anything wrong and they couldn't tell me why I was getting these pains. So they said I just had to monitor it and if it continued to speak to my doctor again. But it was a, a really scary experience. And after that, it made me extremely paranoid in terms of my health for the remainder of my weight gain. And there was still, I think, around two and a half months to go. And that constant paranoia then for the remaining months was very, very mentally draining. Wow, that, that sounds absolutely terrifying. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong with the heart, the circulation, your arteries. You know, the body is such a complex machine of so many different systems. We are what we eat. You know, that statement is thrown around by people, but I don't think enough people truly understand what that means. When we consume food, our body absorbs that food and it builds the constituent parts of our body because every single cell in our body and every organ is constantly renewing itself as our cells divide and, and as the nutrients are passed around our body. And when we eat these diets, these Western diets or the SAD diet, the standard American diet, which is incredibly high in salt and oil and sugar, you know, these, these substances essentially attack our body because they're so concentrated. Even things like fruit juice, you know, you wouldn't think that fruit juice was bad for you, but clarity clarified, refined fruit juice has the same effect on your arteries as, as refined oils do. You know, they reduce the endothelial function of your arteries and, you know, any kind of food that's not in its natural form that's been 
heavily processed by machines essentially is going to have potentially some kind of negative effect on your body. And Klaus and I went to see Dr. Esselstyn once um, in uh, the beautiful Ithaca in, in New York State. And uh, he was talking to us about this and and um, his his amazing wife, she, she also mentioned how if you want to have olive oil, eat olives. If you want to have coconut oil, eat fresh coconut. You know, if you want apple juice, eat an apple. You know, having these kind of refined, clarified juices that not only are incredibly calorific, you know, like a carton of apple juice, for example, is potentially over a thousand calories. Like people go into the supermarket, they think I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to buy a carton of apple juice, clarified apple juice. And they're chugging away at this apple juice and they're drinking that every day. And they're wondering why they're putting on weight because they're, they're literally eating refined fructose, which is obviously, you know, a healthier form of sugar, but it's still a sugar. And that's the interesting thing about like food, you know, and the way marketing works is that we go about our lives trying to consume the best food that we can. And sometimes it can be very hard for people to know what is healthy and what isn't because a lot of food is disguised as healthy but it actually isn't that healthy. You know, first of all, let's obviously establish what does health mean? When you eat a healthy meal, to you, Andrew, what does a healthy meal look like? Yeah, so I think, first of all, it should have lots of colours on it, lots of fruits and veggies, because that is the most important thing. So foods like spinach and kale, like these foods are insanely nutritionally dense and so, so good for you. I think Dr. Rea says spinach is the most nutritionally dense food in the world. So have lots of veggies. Then you want to have some sort of legume as well because they are, again, so, so healthy. Unbelievable amounts of health benefits. So a lentils, a beans, some chickpeas, one of those things is, is brilliant to have there. You do want to have a carb source. So something like rice, preferably whole grain. So whole grain rice, whole grain pasta, um, even some sort of whole grain bread is absolutely fine. Then you also want to have a protein source as well. So on a vegan diet, you can get lots of protein. It's not a problem at all, despite what people may think. And a good example of that is something like tofu, temper, seitan, uh, soy chunks as well. So with these foods, you can make so many delicious types of meals, especially when you chuck in some spices in there that you can make so many flavors, so many different tastes, which are just amazing so i think if you try and have a balance like that you probably won't go wrong in terms of you will be eating very very healthy food and a lot of it's very filling but low in calories as well so if you are trying to lose weight and you eat those kind of foods you'll have an excellent chance Absolutely. I mean, fiber, we, not, no one talks about fiber enough. I think the average British person gets less than half the amount of fiber they need uh, for good health. And if you're going to up your fruit and vegetable and legume quantities in your diet, you're going to get plenty of fiber, which is obviously protective from against many forms of bowel cancers. It's good for your arteries. And it's just generally good for your gut microbiome. There's so many benefits to it just want to chat a little bit about like vegan junk food obviously health is a spectrum when people say to me Robbie how healthy is this vegan burger and I often say well compared to what <laughs> you know it's really important to be aware that health is a scale you know as I said clarified apple juice is not healthy but it's healthier than a glass of beer or uh, a glass of coke cola right any kind of improvement is an improvement and also volume is important as well like a carton of clarified apple juice compared to a little small glass of clarified apple 
apple juice, again, is a big difference. But people often ask me about like vegan junk food. Can I eat vegan junk food? Is it terrible for me? You know, is it all bad? Firstly, how much vegan junk food did you eat in your experience putting on weight? And then obviously on the other side, when you went down the mountain, losing the weight, did you eat any vegan junk food? And, and is any of it actually good for us at all? When I was gaining the weight, all I ate was was vegan junk food. I'll take you just for a quick example of what I'd eat in a day. It would be a bowl of really sugary cereal. So one I used to always have was maple pecan crunch. Then wow. a mid-morning snack would be um, a vegan sausage roll. For lunch, it would be a couple of bagels with loads and loads of plant-based butter. Then mid-afternoon would be crisps or biscuits. And then for dinner, it'd be something like pizza with chips and some nuggets and then Dessert would be a Ben and Jerry. So that's all I ate for six months. And every meal was junk food. How many calories in a day were you eating roughly then? So that was 5,000. Yeah, I aimed for 5,000 wow. each day. So when, of course, when you eat it in that quantity, very, very unhealthy and not good for you. But I think it's very important not to demonize foods because there is no good or bad foods. If you have a plant-based burger every now and then, it's not going to damage your health it tastes really good. It could satisfy a craving. So there's absolutely no harm in doing that. So in terms of the, the message, the question, sorry, which was how much can you have and is it bad for you? Yes, if you have it consistently, it's not going to be good for you. But if you have it as a one-off, like I just said there, you know, I still eat a burger every week. I might get some, even like a pizza or some chips every now and then as well. So it is important to include some of that food in your diet because you don't want to be really restrictive. That's not a, a very healthy way of losing weight or eating. You don't want to develop a bad relationship with that unhealthy food because that can then lead to trouble as well. So when I was losing weight, I still had a, a burger every week because I really like burgers, taste good, and it fixed that craving for me. So when you are trying to lose weight, there's no harm at all in including some of these food in your diet. And I'd actually encourage it because it, like I said, fix that craving and doesn't lead to you then having an out of control time where you overeat food. So what is some of the cornerstones of your diet and workout regime at the moment? Can you talk us through what a regular week looks like for you to maintain you know, good health and uh, you know, a healthy body weight? I'll take you through a typical day of what I eat now. And I always start off with some porridge and in that porridge, I would normally have some peanut butter, a bit of maple syrup, flaxseed, and some berries as well. For me, oatmeal and, and porridge is just the ultimate breakfast because it's so filling, so healthy for you, and it just gets you off to a great start to the day. Then for lunch, it really varies. I might have what I had for dinner the night before, or I could have a sandwich, something like a chickpea tuna sandwich or like a vegan egg mayo sandwich, which has tofu in and, and cashew nuts and some salt to make up the eggy flavor. Then for dinner, again, like a smoky tofu chili or a temper stir fry, uh, a vegan mac and cheese, and I'll have some fruit and veg as snacks kind of throughout the day to fill those holes. So it's important to try and just base your diet around whole foods, vegan whole foods, because the food is so nutritionally dense it's exactly what you're supposed and your body wants. It's full of vitamins and minerals. So when you're trying to lose weight, not only will it help you lose weight, but you're filling your body with all the right nutrients so you actually feel amazing while you're doing it. In terms of uh, my exercise regime, nothing crazy whatsoever. I go to the gym about three times a week. 
and I do resistance training. So normally lifting weights or if not some sort of calisthenics where I sometimes use the, the rings. But it's good to try and keep your muscle mass and grow it if you can because that helps your, your BMR like you mentioned earlier, um, which actually allows you then to eat more food, which is good for, for weight management. Yeah, because muscle burns more, well, as the, the more muscle mass you have, the more calories your body burns at resting. So the bigger your muscles, the more food you can eat and maintain your, your mass uh, in a healthy way and keep your, your fat levels down, right? The ir- irony is it is actually such a simple equation. <laughs> the more you eat, the less you exercise, the more weight you'll put on, the less you eat, the more exercise you do, the more weight you'll lose. It's the mental and psychological aspect of our relationship with food and exercise, which is the biggest thing to get over. You know, there is no secret bullet. I know from my own personal experience and have been yo-yoing my weight for many, many years just through mostly stress eating, too much sitting around in front of the computer. What's one thing you could say to someone like me who really wants to lose, say, like a stone, but really struggles with energy levels, working too hard, you know, getting up in the morning and finding it quite hard to get up early enough to be able to get to a gym or go for a run or a walk. And then at night working a lot as well and really finding it quite hard to get onto a yoga mat or to to get to a gym for reasons often as like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. It's going to be too busy. It's going to be too crowded. All these emotional blocks that are kind of really stopping me from from reducing my uh, my overall body mass, which is something I really want to do. First of all, it, it's important to try and not take on too much. The perception of when you need to lose weight is you need to absolutely grill yourself in the gym, go five times a week and only eat like salads and boring food. That's That's really not true. And if you can just adopt some simple, healthy habits, you can actually make a a really big difference by just doing that. So a good example of this is just being more active. And that doesn't mean you have to go to the gym. It means going out for a walk on your lunch when you can, maybe when you get home from work, just going out for a quick walk and little things like that. When you can do them consistently, eventually they compound and they do get some sort of result. So With the walking, not only does it help you with burning some calories, but the mental side of things, it helps clear your mind and it helps you make better food choices. So that's one thing. Just try and not take on too much and do small little changes that do actually make a a big difference in your diet and your health. I think another really good one is community and support. So when you're trying to lose weight, having support, around you really really helps going on it alone it's definitely possible but it is harder because when you have a bad day when you need that accountability there's not anyone there so if you could do it with a friend who's also interested or maybe joining some facebook groups where there's people in similar situations you could also hire a coach lots of these ways are are just extra ways to get support and that is super super important because when you're having a hard day you can speak to them when you need that accountability. You can speak to them and you can just share your experience and really bounce off each other. So I think that's a, a really important aspect is getting that extra support. Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests this one final question. If uh, you were stuck on a desert island and it's just you and a pig, you obviously are familiar with that question. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get the pig. I could give you one vegan dish, one music album, <laughs> And uh, one book, what would you take with you on your desert island, Andrew? Yes. Yeah, so the book 
it's got to be one that I've actually not read yet. I hope that's allowed. It's one that I got given for Christmas, um, and it's called The Proof is in the Plants by Simon Hill. I've heard it's a, a really, really good book, um, so I'm excited to read that. The album would have to be just one from Ed Sheeran. I know it's a little bit boring, a little bit mainstream, but every song he releases is pretty much a banger, so you, you wouldn't get bored if you're on a desert island with a bit of Ed. And then the dish, it would have to be vegan mac and cheese with a little bit of garlic bread on the side. Amazing. Some great choices there. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the PBN podcast. It was really interesting to hear your story. Thank you very much. It's been awesome to speak to you and thanks for everything you do for the vegan community. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I've been your host, Robbie Lockie, and this is the PBN podcast. We'll be back next week with more food, fashion, animals, nutrition, technology, and everything in between.